89. We'll start in verse 38, and we will, Lord willing, read through the rest of the chapter. Psalm 89, this will wrap up the third book of the Psalms. Now, in our Bible, we just have one book called Psalms, but there's actually five books of Psalms that we compile all together to make the book of Psalms. And so you probably, uh, in your Bibles, more than likely, you, you may have a section that says for Psalm 90 that that starts the fourth book of the Psalms. But anyway, we, we hit these Psalms from time to time to break up some of the other books that we've been going through. And, and we're probably going to start a new book next week, but we're going to, this is a good stopping point for us once we get through Psalm 89. Psalm 89, verse 38 is where we will begin. Let's pray before we jump in. Father God, we come to you tonight, and I pray that your word would speak to us. We come in here because we need you, dear Lord. We, we come in here to get a little uplift in the middle of our week. God, you know what we come in here with, what's on our heart, what's going on in our life, whether good or bad, dear Lord, and I pray that you just would Help us to hear what we need to hear tonight. Dear Lord, maybe it's a word of encouragement. Maybe it's a, it's a word of correction. Maybe it's a word of joy. Whatever it may be, dear Lord, I pray that there is something good that we get from this tonight, that when we hear your word, that we leave and take it with us and remember what it says. So I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would just be with us tonight. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Amen. Now, up until this point of this psalm, the first 37 verses... It's really been a psalm of praise about the greatness of God, specifically talking about the Davidic covenant, the promise that God made to David that God is great, that God is faithful, that God is loving, that God is strong, that God is the creator of all things, that God protects his people, that God crushes the enemies that come against his people, and it is just a praise of God. And then we get to verse 38, and there's a but there. God is great. God is good. God makes promises. God delivers. God is with his people. All these kind of ideas that we see throughout Scripture. But, the author of Psalm 89 says in verse 38, But you have spurned and rejected him. You have become enraged with your anointed. You have repudiated the covenant with your servant. You have completely dishonored his crown. You have broken down all his walls. You have reduced his fortified cities to ruins. All who pass by plunder him. He has become an object of ridicule to his neighbors. You have lifted high the right hand of his foes. You have made all his enemies rejoice. You, also, you have also turned back his sharp sword and have not let him stand in battle. You have made his splendor cease and have overturned his throne. You have shortened the days of his youth. You have covered him with shame. Selah. So here the psalmist is, he's, he's at a, a point of struggle. Now, now, we don't know exactly when this psalm was written and what's going on here. There's a couple of times that maybe this fit, uh, maybe a lot of times that it fits. One of which, this could be talking about during the lifetime of David. And I think that's probably pretty likely based on the title of the psalm says that it's written by Ethan. Now, we don't see the name Ethan much in Scripture, but we do see it on a couple of occasions, and it appears that Ethan was a contemporary or somebody that lived right around the time of David. And so if Ethan is writing this, 
and he was around during the time of David, he may very well be speaking of a time in David's life. So he talks about all these promises about David and the king that's going to come from David and, and that David's kingly line is going to rule forever and God is good and his promises are good, but things are bad. God is good, but wait a minute. He made these promises to David and things are, are out of control here. Now, one occasion that this may be referring to is David's son, Absalom. Now, if you're not familiar with that story, you can go back and read in 2 Samuel. I believe it starts in about chapter 8, chapter 9, somewhere in that range. And you can read about Absalom. Now, if you remember way back, I say way back, not too long before that, David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. And God said, okay, you did this sinful thing. And while God was gracious to David and forgave David, God also said, but there's going to be some trouble that's going to come in your household as a result of this. And when we flip a few pages over, we see this story of David's son, Absalom. Now, we're not going over that tonight. You can study that this week. It's a, it's a good story, an interesting story. Long story short, David's son, Absalom, gets aggravated with David, it appears, because of something Absalom does, and David kind of comes down on him. Absalom revolts against David. David essentially gets, gets run out of his palace, and Absalom takes over, and, and David is fleeing from Absalom. David's on the run. Absalom is trying to, to gather up a bunch of people to come against David. Now, that situation would certainly fit this psalm that we're reading, this idea that God has promised to bless David and the Davidic covenant, and yet even though God has made these promises and God is good, these bad things are happening to David. Now, certainly, these things are a result of what David had done. They're a result of a sin. Not that David was not forgiven. He was forgiven. The scripture tells us that God had forgiven David. But nonetheless, there were some consequences here. There were some hard times that were coming. And it appears as though the psalmist cannot reconcile that. He knows the goodness of God and the promises of God. And yet, he's kind of calling out to God. But God, look at all these things that are happening. Now, this could have been something written in the time of David. It could have been something written in the time of one of David's sons or, or even later in the Babylonian exile. Some have said that maybe this was written that late. It doesn't necessarily matter when it was written or who it was written to. The point is this. The psalmist knew that God was good, the promises of God, and yet even though God had promised to watch over and take care of David and, and follow through with this covenant, he was faithful, yet still bad things were happening. And how does he reconcile that? Well, I guess the better question is, is how do we reconcile that? Because if we went around the room tonight, I'd probably ask all of you, is God good? Is God faithful? Is God all-powerful? Is God strong? Is God with us? And we could say yes. And even though we know the power of God and that God will not leave us or forsake us, all of a sudden one day things are good and the next day you wake up and things are falling apart. That happens sometimes in our life. And sometimes maybe we begin to question and we begin to ask, but God, where are you? If you're good and I know you're good, if you're powerful and I know you're powerful, if you're with me and I know you're with me, then God, what is going on? Why are these things happening? God, have you forgotten your promises that you've made? Have you just forgotten me totally? And perhaps sometimes we feel like the psalmist here. We know that God is good. We don't doubt God. We don't question God. We trust God, but we don't understand why in the world. God, 
if you've promised to be with me, why are these things happening? Now, maybe sometimes it's a result of something we do. Now, I want to be careful when I say that because I don't want to to cause anybody to have some some unwarranted guilt or shame or, or just really reflect. Oh, I'm having a bad time in my life, so I must have done something wrong. Sometimes we do that, and sometimes not rightly so. Sometimes we haven't necessarily done anything wrong. So that's not to say that every bad thing that occurs in our life is a result of some sin. And if something bad's happening, then we, we just have to comb back through and find that sin and repent of it to make it better. That may not necessarily be the case. Sometimes life just happens. Sometimes we're doing the best we can and the devil tries to work at us and get us off track in any way that he can. And sometimes life just happens. Maybe like in the story of Job. Job was a, was a, was a godly man. We see that. And Job hadn't done anything wrong necessarily. It's not that God said, okay, Job's really messed up. Devil, go and, go and have your way with him so he'll learn his lesson. That's not the way the story worked out. Job was a godly man, but yet even still God allowed Job to go through these, these sufferings that Job went through. And perhaps God does the same thing for us. Now, we don't like to hear that because none of us like to suffer. But ultimately, even though Job was a godly man, at the end of the story, Job trusted and praised God more at the end of the story than he did at the beginning. And how did he get to that point? He got to that point through his suffering. And so it is for you and I. Sometimes I think God allows us to go through things, not necessarily as punishment. Maybe sometimes we've done wrong and there are consequences. Certainly that is the case on occasion. But not always. Sometimes it's just life. Sometimes it's just the devil trying to attack us. And so we need to remember the goodness of God. Because sometimes we feel like Ethan did in this psalm. God, I know your promises, but look at all this that's going on. God, are you there? God, are you listening? God, are you, do you care? God, have you forgotten? Is there, is there any hope? Is there any light at the end of the tunnel, God? Because things are really bad in my life right now. And we've been in those situations. And maybe some of us are in those situations tonight where sometimes it looks like, man, I, I know that God is good, but whew, I ain't seeing much goodness of God right now. But, but there's light at the end of the tunnel. And, and maybe that's why the psalmist spent the bulk of this psalm talking about the goodness of God, to, to remind us of who God is. He didn't just write the second half saying, where are you, God? Things are falling apart. We got two-thirds of the psalm that tell us and, 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 and emphasize to us the goodness of who God is, so that we don't forget that when we get in those, but what is going on? But what is happening in my life? When we get to those times, we're reminded, but God is good. Yeah, things are bad, but God is good. Let's go on to the next verse. Verse 46. How long, Lord, will you hide yourself forever? Will your anger keep burning like fire? Remember how short my life is. Have you created everyone for nothing? What, can, what man can live and never see death? Who can save himself from the power of Sheol? Selah. Boy, that's a good question, verse 46. We probably have asked that question. Maybe out loud, maybe just in our heart. But there have probably been times in our life that we have said, How long, God? There is something going on in our life, something we want to end, something we're battling against, something we're worried about, some situation that we just wish would get better and that life would get better. And sometimes we wait a day and a week and a month and a year and we just keep saying, God, how long? 
We make our request to God and we pray to God and we earnestly seek Him and we want Him to answer our prayers in the way that we want and our situations to get better and things to calm down and for everything to be right again. And sometimes God doesn't answer those prayers. Sometimes He answers them weeks or months or years down the road and and perhaps we find ourselves asking this question, God, I know you're good, but my situation is bad. So God, how long? How long, God? People don't live forever. I'm not going to be here forever. God, did you just create me for this? Just create me and I know your promises and now this this difficulty has struck my life and, and that's just it. I'm going to live and I'm going to die. Nobody's going to live forever. God, that's the way it is. God, there, there has to be more. God, I don't want this to be my life. God, I don't want it to be that I, that I know your goodness, but I'm suffering. God, I want, I want to feel your presence again. What does he say there? He says, how long, Lord, will you hide your face forever? Sometimes it may feel like that. Sometimes we may feel like, man, is God hiding his face from me? Is God listening to me? Does God care what's going on? And he does. He does care what's going on. He is listening to us. And perhaps in those seasons where we feel that way, okay, God, are you there? Well, we have to trust God even more. And maybe God uses those seasons just for that reason. Say, okay, God, I know you're good. I know you're strong. I know you're faithful. This season has come in my life, but God, I'm going to trust you. God, I know that you're there. God, I may not feel you right now, but I know that you're there. And we have to remember that. We have to remember that. You know, there there are days that we walk close with God and things are good in our walk with God and, and our life is good and we feel the presence of God. But maybe there are other seasons in our life where it just doesn't feel like God is there. We say, God, are you there? Are you listening? Are you with me? God, I need you. Like Moses said in Exodus 33, God, I ain't going nowhere without you. God, if you don't go with me, God, I cannot make it without you. Or like Jacob when he wrestled with God in Genesis. God, I'm not letting go. I will not let go unless you bless me. We have got to hold on to God, especially in those seasons where it feels like maybe God is not there or not listening. We need to say, God, I know you're there, and God, I'm not letting go. Because what else can I do, God? I'm going to cling on to you with all that is within me. Because, God, if you don't bless me, if you're not with me, then, God, I cannot make it. And the psalmist here says, look, God, I know you're good, but I'm in a hard time and I need you, God. I need you. Are you there? Are you listening? How long, dear Lord? How long will you make me wait? God, I need you right now. And maybe that's some of our prayers tonight. Maybe you're doing great tonight. I hope you are, praise the Lord. But if that season in your life comes where things are bad, man, we need to remember the first 37 verses of this psalm because the psalmist here, he drives it home about the goodness of God. And even though he's writing these words, even though he's asking these questions, I don't think it shows a lack of faith or a lack of doubt in God. I think we see that as he closes the psalm here on a positive note in a few verses. But he's just, he's just, he's just, sharing, he's just being real. He's not pretending. He's saying... This is tough, God. Where are you at? What are you doing? And there's a difference between questioning who God is and doubting who God is by the questions we ask and simply asking God questions and saying, God, I need you. Where are you? There's a big difference in, in, in those two things. And so maybe there are days that we need to cry out, and maybe we do cry out these same words. God, how long? God, where are you at in my situation? Verse 49 Lord, where are the former acts of your faithful love that you swore to David in your faithfulness? 
Remember, Lord, the ridicule against your servants. In my heart, I carry abuse from all the peoples. How your enemies have ridiculed, Lord, how they have ridiculed every step of your anointed. So here he begins to recall the former days. There were days when things were better than they are now. And maybe that's true for some of us today. Maybe we sit here and we say, man, there were days in my life where things are better than they are now and things are tough right now for whatever reason it may be. And that's what he says. Where are the former days of your faithful love? God, I want to feel like I used to feel. I want to feel your presence. I want to feel your joy. I want to feel your peace. I want to feel your love. God, these enemies are coming against us. That's what he says here. He says, the ridicule against your servants. In my heart, I carry abuse from all the peoples. How your enemies have ridiculed. So there's some enemies that are, that, are, that are acting in this instance against either David himself or one of David's descendants and obviously Ethan being part of this and, and feeling this ridicule that is taking place. And so he says, look, God, I know your goodness. I know your faithful love. I know your word. Dear Lord, when are we going to feel that again? And that's really what we desire as Christians. Because as Christians, when we come to God, we, we feel the, the joy of God. We feel it. We feel the grace of God. And, and it's just it's a beautiful feeling. It's more than a feeling. It's not just a feeling. It's a whole life transformation. But boy, it's good when we walk with the Lord. And not just when we first come to Christ. But throughout our life as we mature, in the seasons of our life where we are walking close to the Lord and we are in His Word and we are living in obedience to what He calls us to and we are seeking Him, boy, those are good times in our life. And when we begin to get out of God's Word and we begin to be disobedient and we don't seek Him and we're not obedient to Him, then it, it doesn't feel the same. It's, it's, not, it's not the same joy. And so the psalmist here says, God, I want to feel that joy. I want to feel like, like things used to be. I, I, want, I want to feel your faithful love and know your faithful love, God. And so he's saying, God, help me. There, there, there's an enemy that's attacking me. And maybe in his case, it was a, a physical enemy. And maybe for us, there are physical people who physically are attacking us in some way. But I'll tell you, at the very least, the devil's going to attack us. He is going to try to attack us in every which way he can. And so we have an enemy that's, that's constantly ridiculing us or attacking us in some way. But God is good and God is faithful. And maybe God allows us sometimes to go through some of these things. Not to break us, but to make us stronger. God, uh, our faith has to be tested in some way to prove, in, to prove that it is real. And, and sometimes God allows us to go through these tests. And he allows us to go through these struggles in life. But we cannot forget that God is good. And at the end of the psalm here, he closes in verse 52. May the Lord be praised forever. Amen and amen. He ends the same way that he started the psalm. He ends with praise to the Lord. God, you are good. I know you are good. I know your promises. I know who you are. But God, things are bad right now. And God, how long is it going to be? God, I want to be with you the way I used to be with you. I want to feel your presence the way I used to feel your presence. And so he ends here on a positive note. He ends here, I believe, saying with these words, God, I still trust you. I still know you. I still praise you. May the Lord be praised forever. He doesn't give up on God. He doesn't end and say, look, God, you made these promises, and now all of a sudden 
Times are tough, and so I'm done with you. That's not what he does. He still continues to praise God. And this is an encouraging psalm in that we know the goodness of God through Scripture, through our own life experiences, through the Holy Spirit working in us, and we need to remember those because there are bad days that happen in our life. There are bad things that happen in our life. But we got to remember to trust God and to praise God even in the bad days. Don't give up on him, but continue to seek him, continue to trust him. And that's what we see Ethan doing in this psalm. He doesn't give up. He says there's hope. There's hope in the Lord, and there's hope for us in the Lord because the very promises that Ethan talks about in the Davidic covenant and the king that is coming has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And God has kept his promise. Yeah, there were some hard times for some of these kings in the, in, in the line of David. But God kept his promise, and a better king has come in Jesus Christ. And that's why we can praise God today. Not that we question God today, we don't, because we see he's fulfilled his promises. We see that he's a God that's worthy of praise and a God that can be trusted. And that is the God that we come to seek tonight. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for these good words. And dear Lord, they're, they're real, dear Lord. And we can relate to them. God, we know what life is. And life is tough. We know your goodness. We know your grace. We know your mercy. We know your strength. We know your promises. We know that you are with us. But God, life is tough. And sometimes, dear Lord, we go through struggles. And I pray, God, that you would help us no matter what struggles we go through, that we don't, we don't give up on you. It may be difficult, but that we continue to seek you. That even if it's a long, dear Lord, that we may even ask the question, how long, dear Lord? But even in asking that question, God, let it not be out of doubt, but in trust to you. That we would call out to you, dear Lord, to let you know, hey, God, we need you. It's a struggle, dear Lord, but we trust you. So, God, I pray that if there are some that are struggling tonight, maybe they're in a season of difficulty, I pray that if it be your will, you get them out, that you'd bring them back to a place where they feel your peace and your joy and your presence. But, God, maybe whatever struggle's going on is going to be a long struggle. And I pray, God, that you be with us through our struggles. And you are. You're with us, dear Lord. Let us never forget that. And, God, I pray that we would seek you and that we would long for the day that all things would be restored and made right, dear Lord. So let us trust you and praise you tonight, just as the psalmist did. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.